You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. On Sunday, Pastor Josh continued our series through Romans by preaching from the first half of chapter 15. In this passage, Paul continues to encourage the church in Rome to be unified and bear with one another. Today on the podcast, we're talking about the primary purpose of the church gathered and how, if we get that wrong, it can lead to a consumeristic mentality that, if left unchecked, breeds disunity. I found this conversation to be thought-provoking and challenging. I hope you will as well. Thanks for joining. This is After the Message. Good to be together again on the podcast today. Yes, it is, Mike. Yes, yes. Chase, thank you for that applause. Whoa. Wow. Bless you, Mark. Opening you, Mark. Just, you just had to wait He's to so excited. To He's just We've sat here 20 minutes. <laughs> like, and I now knew you it. Like, it, I was waiting for him to push record, and I couldn't get it out before he did. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Thank so you sorry. That. Well, I'm just going to slide over on this couch. Yeah. We'll have to thank, not... thank Chase for capturing that thank on you, Chase. Uh, Yeah. Can you block that out? So, uh, <laughs> that? Nope. So we've got a guest with us today, uh, Roland Halls in the room, our community impact pastor. Roland's yeah. good to have you. Roland. Yeah. Always, always a pleasure to be with you guys. <laughs> You're so kind. We know you don't mean it, but we're so thankful you said it. <laughs> I said it with a straight face, too. So. <laughs> uh, and we recorded it. Yep. So uh, we've also got, as usual, Pastor Josh Brady, Preston Crow, Mark Evans, and Chase Hammock in the producer seat. So one and only. Yep. Always right. good to have you guys. So <laughs> that that was a non-enthusiastic <laughs> applause, Chase. Um, anyway, hey, so uh, really, really great. Uh, we're we're into Romans chapter fifteen on Sunday, and uh, yes, uh, I, I think that you know these these past couple chapters, particularly for me, have been really, really impactful. And and mm. and I think uh, yesterday, uh, you know, some things came up in the message that were really, I think good for our church to hear. They were hard things to hear, but they're, uh, I think, good things. And, uh, and I, have a, I have a feeling probably stirred up some really great conversation in some mm-hmm. life groups. But, mm-hmm. um, but I want to start just by talking about particularly, uh, you made a comment, uh, Josh, in the message about uh, the purpose of our gathering together as the church to worship. And, um, and I think that would be a good springboard for the rest of our conversation sure. this morning. So yep. you want to recap that, and then we can talk about it? Absolutely. Yep. So as always, and, and if we had more time yesterday, uh, I, the joke is if if you give me 50 minutes, I'll take 55 minutes. Uh, and so on Sunday mornings, there's always more color commentary to give. Um, but we, we've talked about this before, but just as a way of reminder, the way in which we do church today is is pretty vastly different than the way that first century church was was operated the way that they they worship together um, and and a lot about how they operated and the way we operate is going to end at different outcomes so for example for us we we our worship service is come into a room sit into a thing we call it a sanctuary but it looks much like a theater um, where where everybody sits and they are looking at a stage as if whatever's on that stage needs to inform or perform and and it's their job because the way they're sitting and the way that the room is set up and there's so many people that their job is just to receive whatever is coming from that stage. And whenever that that teaching is over or that that uh, entertainment is over, whatever it would be from the stage, that it's now time to go out. And so the, even the way that we order our our 
organized structure, it looks like it's just come and receive. Well, in the first century church, it didn't look like that. They gathered at, gathered at people's homes. They, they shared meals together where everybody brought something to the table. And the hope would be that during their time together, they would have conversation over what what the Holy Spirit was doing in their life and and how they saw God at work and they would stand up and they would give testimony and and so they would they had something in them to give to all those that are around them. Somewhere along the way, we have moved away from that model. So so what we see when Paul's writing to the church, and this still should be true, right? So this is where we have to live in that tension. Paul writes to them and saying, hey, you have something you've got to give. God, God has trusted this to you. If you have the spirit of God in you, you have something that everybody else in this room needs. So the thought of gathering wasn't to come and receive, but it was to give. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think that's a little lost on us mm-hmm. and us being the big church today, because what I just described as Broadmoor's morning worship is probably typical of, of many churches across the world. It's mm-hmm. come, sit, receive, leave. And you didn't have a chance to even think about what you had to give to brothers and sisters that were around you or even to the people who were ministering to you. Uh, And so as we read through Romans, we just have to have that constant reminder, particularly in chapters 14 and 15, when it talks about the gathering of God's people or or here the Jews and the Gentiles worshiping together, that they need each other, that they, they need to put the petty differences aside so they can minister to one another and with one another. That's interesting because that's very contradictive at times of, of Scripture, the way we pra- our practices, uh, because every one of us has, because of God's Spirit dwelling within us, our gifting, our, and then we have our experiences and our passions and, and so forth, that God calls out on us for His purposes, for His glory, for the building up of His church. That's right. And, and as we collectively seek to reach the nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the tension that we we have to even even as pastors we have to remind our people hey <laughs> we need each other we're we're in this together but uh, just honesty like we're sitting around this table if you were able to see this room um, there there's something about well there's it's probably going to be a little bit easier and a little bit cleaner if you just let me stand up and do a sermon mm-hmm. if you just let me stand up and sing three songs and us take an offering and mm-hmm. and and pray and and you have a time to respond. But it's going to be about 37 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then, then we're going to go about our day yeah. when that was never the biblical model mm-hmm. of what worship was going to look yeah. like. And I think to Roland's point, maybe you're in, in those seats, those, those theater-style seats, and, and you're wrestling with the tension of, man, God, God's done something. And it's like burning, with, like that Jeremiah moment. It's burning within mm-hmm. me. And I don't know what to do with it. We're like, well, all right, guys, see you all next week. Yeah. Good luck with that burning in your chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, we, we have to be reminded as ministers that we are called to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we view ourselves as the one who is supposed to do all the ministry and they're supposed yeah. to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. a tension we, we have to wrestle. It is a tension. And, I, you know, as I was thinking about it, because I was in the chapel Sunday, so I wasn't in the, in the big room. And so it's a little bit of a different feel. But, um, you know, when we come... There's this fellowship part and unity with other believers part, and there's also this we are bringing our offering of worship to God collectively, mm-hmm. um, which is a giving, right? And so throughout the service for us to, to in our hearts, be able to give worship back to God and know at the end of that formal like worship time that we have brought an offering of praise and worship and 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 given that to God versus coming in with a mindset of, Boy, I hope they sing a good song that you know mm-hmm. makes me feel good, right. or they they preach a good message right. that 
is entertaining or has a good story or, or whatever. It's a yeah. different mindset coming uh-huh. in. Mm-hmm. And I think if we don't enter the room with the right mindset, then it's hard to, to flip the switch um, halfway through. But I also was thinking about just the, the importance of groups, life groups, small groups, because for many, they have the opportunity to leave that corporate That's gathering right. and walk into a room where they can have further discussion and talk about how how that impacted them and what the message that day, how it spoke and, and that sort of thing. And I, it's hard for me to kind of imagine what it's like to walk in, hear the message and just leave. And just leave. Yeah. But I know I know that happens. That man, yeah. that that's tough. And and for the people who who knew me growing up, now a lot of this has changed, uh, as as you'll you'll see. But like growing up, I had an aversion to big church. Mm-hmm. Um and because I, I felt like, man, I don't think the goal is ever to get lost in it, but mm-hmm. but so many times you can and you it's can. easy to. And I think even as as pastor here, I, I I if you were only here for for that one hour for for that worship service. I, f- I feel sad for that. Like, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're you're engaging in worship. And, and I'm so honored that you would even give that hour to come and be with us. And I pray that what we're doing brings brings good to you and glory to God. But my heart rests more at ease because we have life groups. Mm-hmm. And the way in which our life groups are ordered and, and, and arranged, at least to a degree, helps me with, uh, okay, now you're actually in a spot where it's not stadium south seating anymore, that you're more in a circle and you're looking at each other and you're having very real conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we've challenged our life group leaders, and, and I know that sometimes it's different, the goal isn't to teach another Bible study. Mm-hmm. That, that's going to be part of it, but that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is life-on-life transformation. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that if we don't know one another and be known by one another. Mm-hmm. And that's where that happens. And so mm-hmm. if we can't do it in, in our, our worship center and in sanctuary, then I'm thankful that we have the rooms that we get to go to or whenever you meet throughout the week that you have that moment. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just jump in there real quick because I, I know Jay Fletcher, our group's pastor, um, He's always trying to paint the picture of the shrinking circles, mm-hmm. um, the larger, smaller, smaller, smaller circles where we mm-hmm. – um, the smaller the circle you're in, the more you're able to know and be known. And and there there is a form of a circle in the worship service. That's right. There's a deeper, smaller circle in your life groups, but there's even more depth in your relationships. And each of those gives you the opportunity to hear the word but then to speak truth to one another. That's right. And, and let me just – take a second here. I know that many of our groups continue to process and struggle with how do we understand Romans 14 and 15 in light of our role mm-hmm. in the world around us. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's a hard one. And I've had several conversations with individuals from life group leaders who continue to to try to process and help the group work through that. Mm-hmm. And in the sense of what what is our message to the world around us? Well, I bring that up in this context, because what we talked about yesterday, and I know Jay led his group the same way, the smaller your circle gets, the more opportunity you have to speak truth. Yeah, We don't ever want to shy away from truth. Mm-hmm. We don't ever want to compromise. But how we speak, um, how we hold people accountable yeah. looks different the smaller the circle That's gets. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. And so when you put yourself in a position of a group, you're submitting to that group's, um, not necessarily authority, but you've given them permission to speak to truth. Speak into yeah, well, there, right. there's, there's trust. That's right. There's and trust. With, and, and with trust and relationship, point. there's freedom. That's right. That's, That's right. a good and word. Rolling, great we, job. 
we don't always have that in the world around us. You know what I hate this morning, Mark, as we have this conversation, is that the folks that are listening to this podcast can't see you use your hands as you speak. <laughs> it just really is but disappointing to me. But, but anyway. you know what they can see? They can see those massive calves. Even That's in exactly his voice. right. Okay. But I, but I digress. My bad. I was, was going to say we haven't even mentioned the calves uh, here. Yet. We I mean, are. Because, We're in shorts Mark's, today. Mark's it's in shorts summertime. Again. It's shorts yeah. day. Massive. So, it, and there's a reason it's uh, a podcast and it's not being live streamed because <laughs> it could be viewed as inappropriate, perhaps. So, um, well, thank you, Mike. So I love move on. <laughs> Mike, what are you talking about? No, I'm saying move like you're you're moving us along. I appreciate. Uh, it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I love that. Uh, man, I have so many thoughts running in my head right now. But you know, so when I was when I was in college, um, uh, one of the one of the classes I had to take, uh, we had to go and study the use of space mm-hmm. in uh, in all these different churches and in different different types of you know, different denominations, some different religions and things like that, and so. Uh, just as you were talking about how even our our worship center and and mm-hmm. not just ours but like yeah. churches all over the world, the way that they are set up like subtly uh, sort of communicates something different than what we might That's hope right. it would communicate. That's right. Um, and and almost contributes to this sort of uh, this sort of mentality that we're to receive. In this consumeristic sort of approach to the worship gathering, which then I think leads to, um, and sort of a, a an unhealthy emphasis on our own preferences, right? Which then leads to that's right disunity. That's exactly um, right because we start fighting over and one another's preferences. We begin to major on the minor things, right? Yeah, because we miss the opportunity to major on the major things with yeah. one another. That's good. That's yeah. That's the nature of it. And so you 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 made a, a a statement yesterday talking about how you know that that unity uh, or the church is often not destroyed from things outside the church. It's right. destroyed from within the church mm-hmm. when disunity takes root. Um, and and I think you even went so far to say that when uh, when there's disunity, God is not glorified. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, man, you know, I thought, man, that's that's. That's pretty impactful and powerful. Um, Yeah, it did. It really resonated with me, too. And I think part of it is because I see how hard we fight to protect our church from outside influences. That becomes the thing that we shake our fist at to make sure the influence of the world doesn't crash in on us and cause us, hurt us, whatever. And so we hold on to really strong political preferences even because we're afraid it's going to damage. Yeah. The church. Right. And I think what you're saying is is exactly right. It's not going to be those outside forces. It's going to be the way we bicker and argue and fight for our own preferences mm-hmm. within that really do the most damage is what I heard you say. Yeah, I, I think yesterday. that's right. I, I would nuance it just a little bit on clarity on my end. Um, so when the church is is an agreement, when I say the church, I mean the people, right? Mm-hmm. When the people are in, in agreement on what is the main thing of the church. And so for, for the New Testament church, it would be um, – well, really in the first century, there wasn't necessarily a creed yet, except Paul would, would speak to it a little bit. And it would essentially be the statement that, that Peter makes when Jesus is asking, but who do they say that I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And, and, and Jesus looks at him and says, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but from my Father in heaven, right? And so that, that is the statement of the church. What does the church 
live upon? Where, where's the foundation of the church? It is Christ and Christ alone, okay? So, so whenever the believers believe that, then nothing on the outside can shake it. That's right. But when the believers start, again, majoring on minor things, and I think the world can begin to shake the church. Because it could be all the political jargon. It could be all of the worldly things. It could be the the wave of whatever revolution we're in at the moment. Because if, if the church people start that's to right. believe that that is the major or that is the foundational thing, then yeah. you are be- – that's, that's where the inner fights come that's from, right. right? So, that, that's where the tension comes from. And so, the issue for me, like if, I, if I'm looking here as, as lead pastor of Broadmoor or if you're a mission strategist and you're trying to figure out what this church thing is – our goal isn't to fend off all the bad things. That, that's not number one. I do think there's a part of that. Paul would speak to that. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to focus on Christ and Christ alone. Mm-hmm. So what makes a church rock solid? It would be preaching biblical truth weekend and week out. I think what makes a church weaker is when we, at best, use the scriptures as a diving board into our own preferences or into some kind of self-help thing, then you weaken the church because mm-hmm. if at the end of the day, our people know how to be better people or they think I'm a better preacher and they don't know anything more of Christ, then their defenses are weak and the church is susceptible, I believe, to more fracture. Yeah. And so for us, yes, I, I think we need to be aware of what's going on around us, but if we are sure of what we believe, and we confess the truth that Christ is the son of the living God and he is our only hope, then that is where the church is, is going to find its strength. A lot of times we talk about the church, we're thinking about the church gathered. Yeah. And if we're not in agreement and if we're not uh, pulling in the same direction as, as the church gathered, that as the church scattered when we're, you know, Monday through Saturday, so to speak, and when we're in our workplaces and yeah. with our families and our leisure time – well, then that's when the things of the world will absolutely just destroy shred, you. Shred right. us. That's right. exactly right. right. That's right. That you know, you right. talk about the early church, too, and going back a little bit to even y'all looking at space and how churches use space, I was just was thinking about that the early church had fewer elements, I guess, of their gatherings. You know, they, they got together probably in a home around a table, mm-hmm. you know, they're they weren't wrestling through what curriculum are we going to use and are we going to have this instrument or a screen yeah. versus a, a paper. You know, they there are a lot of things that we navigate on a day-in, day-out, week-in, week-out basis yeah. that they just – they didn't. And That's I think right. with every with every new element, even though there's great things in all of those, every new element op- also presents an opportunity for people to disagree on it, right? That's right. Where half the – Half the people in the room are going to think this is the best thing we've done in the <laughs> life of our church, and the other half are like, "I'm not sure I can go mm-hmm. with this." Yeah, that's right. So mm-hmm. it's just it's more complex, maybe in some ways, than, sure. than it originally was. For sure. Yeah. Are you saying we make it harder than it has to be? Sometimes? <laughs> maybe every now and then. Never. Never we would, ever. We would never do that. Yeah. So not right now. So uh, yeah, I. So I, I I have a thought, and and we we were talking about this before we recorded, and and so I want to lead us there, and who knows where we'll go from after that. I but, bet it'll be great wherever we go. Um, so <laughs> and I, I think we even talked about it, maybe within the last couple of weeks, how uh, you know a lot of denominationalism and, mm-hmm. and stuff is is formed around preference. You mm-hmm. know, it's 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 people who differ over secondary issues, and and so um, that's where we get you know a lot of a lot of different, but. When we were talking earlier, uh, it just sort of occurred to me the same thing happens within 
our church, you know. Oh yeah. There are there are divisions and factions and and sort of groups that operate within the church mm-hmm. in their own silos based on their own preferences. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so how do you guys see that fleshing out like for Broadmoor specifically? Mm-hmm. I got a great I don't know if they're great. I have a lot of thoughts, but I would prefer other people to answer first. <laughs> well, I'm, I think... It, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, I'm still trying to process the question because I think it made me think of other questions. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if you got an well, answer, ask those questions too. I was, I was thinking about it because you said Broadmoor specifically, and I know earlier we talked some about even the size of a church yeah. can uh, have an impact on this because there there are situations where you could be in a church that's large enough that if you disagree with a portion of what's going on, you can stay within that church and just move around a little bit. You can move mm-hmm. to a different life group or a different whatever. Um, there are other churches that because of their size, you really can't do that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is much more of the entire church is kind of in community with each right. other every single Sunday and, and more so throughout the week. Or maybe even in certain towns where there's less options for you to to move around. And so you're probably going to be a little more inclined to just say, well, I'll just stay where I am because I like most of what is going on here. There's just some things that yeah. I disagree with. I think the larger a church gets, the more opportunity uh, to move around within the church mm-hmm. and still agree with the big picture items, but go, I think I like this group more than this group or this setting more than this setting within the church. Mm-hmm. That's mm. just my first shot. Yeah, that's right. And you do see life groups who have different um, cultures. Mm-hmm. Right. They have different feels. They have different teaching style. They have different personalities. You can walk into a room and it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. When you know when I visit different rooms and different life groups, you, you feel the differences in those groups. And a lot of it is okay. Yeah, not necessarily right or wrong. That's right. It's different. It's just different preferences have kind of shaped the culture. Mm-hmm. But there are times where we as pastors – and I think, Josh, you, you speak to that. We have a responsibility when we see a life group drift outside of the current. Right. All right. So we want to be in alignment around the gospel and That's the right. main things that make Broadmoor distinct. And there's a lot of wiggle room in there mm-hmm. where you can shape some culture and some personality in your group. But sometimes that starts to drift outside of alignment and current Mm -hmm. and i think that's a challenge and that's that was the question that popped up in my mind after you asked your question is okay like when does that start happening Mm -hmm. and how do we if it's just the gospel is our core yes right well there's more than that eventually that comes up out of that where we say hey We've got a responsibility. How's that gospel lived out? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And that, that's a great point because I think so, – so Paul writes to Romans where we are today, but, but Paul is also writing uh, when you get to Titus, right? So I think Titus would be a great case study to what you just said. Mm-hmm. Like his, his whole point to Titus is, hey, the church is in disarray. Like they, they still believe core, core tenets, but mm-hmm. they're in disarray. And so what he says is you need to raise up elders and you need to send them out among all the churches. And so the goal wasn't to say, hey, stop meeting over here. You stop meeting over here and everybody get to one gathering so we can all see and believe and hear the same thing. Mm-hmm. He said, no, these elders are going to be giving watch care mm-hmm. over, over these things to make sure that if, if we're all floating down the same river – then all is good because we're we're advancing the kingdom, promoting. We're we're telling the world about Christ. Right. But once we veer off, we need those people in our life who kind of have that thirty thousand foot view that can look mm-hmm. down and and pastorally lead us back into alignment for the mission for the mission's sake that's and right. for the glory of God's sake. And so I, I do think that's where we in Broadmoor's model 
where I'm, I'm kind of pleased with, with mm-hmm. what that looks like. Of course, we could always do better, um, and we should be more intentional, but mm-hmm. as we are leading and guiding our people, we have equipped them to do the work of the ministry. It's right for them to teach and to lead and to, right. to encourage, but we're the overseers, and I think it's our, our, our duty, our obligation to oversee as they are going. So it, it would be off on us to say, well, you just do what you do, and I hope it turns out. No, we're, we're walking mm-hmm. side by side with them, and, and hopefully – Keeping everybody in the same river, going right. in the same direction. And not all those things have to be gospel issues. They might be distinctives that make Broadmoor Broadmoor. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So we, we've said as pastoral leadership, under your leadership, this is what this current looks like. Right. <clears throat> Sorry. This is what this is what this river looks like. We're not going to necessarily say that your preference is it may not it might be questionable if it's right or wrong, but Broadmoor's landed here. That's right. And if you're going to be a Broadmoor life group, come into this current yeah that's right and man that's hard to do because of the tension we feel we want to give our leaders freedom to lead Mm -hmm. to create like i said create culture within their group but also there is alignment that's going to help our church family the way we have set up that we feel like god is leading us Mm -hmm. we want you to be a part of that well it goes back to the word that josh used a few minutes ago being in agreement Mm -hmm. that's right there's alignment there. Yeah, we, we agree to those those core tenants. Mm-hmm. And there is there's there's gray area. There's mm-hmm. there's wiggle room. But mm-hmm. yeah. and and it's it's right. I think if I think if we're doing it right, so we, we say this all the time, this gets more into leadership than than necessarily biblical pastoring. Um, if if you're not failing, I don't think you're trying, right? So mm-hmm. so that would be kind of a leadership axiom that that we we work towards. Like if, if you're not trying hard trying to so when we when we're following Christ, there's got to be mo- the disciples messed up all the time mm-hmm. yeah. for the sake of good. Right. Peter yeah. pulls out a knife, cuts off a guy's ear for the sake of mm-hmm. he's my Christ. I'm going to die for him. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, "No, that put yeah. your sword up, Peter. This isn't it." That's right. And and I I think there's an aspect of that as we move forward. So mm-hmm. that's why it is pastoring and not policing, mm-hmm. um, because policing is something totally different. It's you're out of line, get out of here, as opposed to hey. Let, let's have a conversation. Let, let's talk about why this alignment is so important and why potentially this decision is going to lead us out of a place that we want to go. I think those are the, the differences between That's policing really and, yeah. and pastoring. And I think that word conversation is huge. We, we actually talked in our life group. Uh, we had, throughout the course of discussion, had um, kind of highlighted different examples of where people might view things differently within a church. And they were all personal examples that people had experienced. And every one of them when we kind of look back at it, had at some point a conversation between two people of help me understand Mm. why you view it that way. And so uh, I think that's where we often fail or fall short is we kind of have our way, they have their way, and then we get in our groups who we know believe what we believe. That's good. And we talk about the groups that don't believe what we believe. We find an echo chamber. Instead of sitting down, yeah, instead of sitting down and saying, help me to understand your point of view – I and think then being that's great. So, do you think work. it would be healthy to to assess if? And I think this is true anyway. But so this w- this would be kind of uh, if somebody was talking about the relationship with God, if if when you come to church or if when you have your quiet time with the Lord and He always agrees with your decisions, <laughs> then that's a huge red flag, right? Mm-hmm. So so there's got to be this tension of if if God is always like, great job, you Josh, you just keep going, you've never done anything wrong, you're always great, you're always right, everybody else is an idiot, right? So so that would be huge red flag left and right. I think it would be the same because we we are prone to drift towards an echo chamber, or at least mm-hmm. like-minded people to the mm-hmm. point where 
I want to feel most comfortable and where I feel most comfortable in my flesh is to be right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get around people who are never going to call me on my stuff and I'm always going to be right. I'm never going to be convicted and I'm going to live right there. I would say, even though in your mind that's devoid of conflict, that's extremely unhealthy Mm -hmm. because that's also not the model of the church. The church was called to to hold us to accountability. And it it can really, man, it, it surfaces as pride in sometimes in our posture. Because what we say sometimes out loud, I'll hear it, um, but sometimes it's more subtle, is our group's got it figured out. Mm-hmm. I wish everybody else could be like our group. Right. Um, we, we've put together the group that really gets it. I wish everybody else would get it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think there's a case for the posture to be different and more of a humble posture that says, we do it this way because this is the way we understand it. And this is the way we, it seems clear to us. But, man, I could really benefit from yeah. learning from four other life groups yes. how they do it. And I think when you talk about unity in the church, that's what that looks like. It's not we're unified because we hole up and silo and surround ourselves with everybody that agrees with me. Unity in the church is these are all different but in those differences, we learn from each other and we yes. grow together and we listen to each other mm. and we understand the value that each of us bring to the mm. table. Yeah, and that's a great point. I, I think we, we need to be clear on this. Unity in the church does not mean that you're not going to have tense conversation. Mm. Exactly. That you're not going to have, just thinking. have struggle on with one another. That should be healthy. To If you're going to hold each other accountable, there's got to be some disagreements mm-hmm. on some things. But it's the, it's the moment that this disunity that rips the church apart is when we say, I don't care what you have to say. You don't care what I have to say. Therefore, I don't care about you, and I'm done with you. That's right. That, that is when the church begins to fracture, and that's what we see here in Romans. But I think that's what we see a lot in our churches mm-hmm. today. But there's also confirmation in conflict. Absolutely. Oftentimes, and you know, we're also a good thing. able to use conflict as a ministry opportunity, whether it be inside the church, but also as we learn and grow from that, Outside that's of good. church, yes, that's, that's exactly good. right. Mm. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. I think it's, uh, you know, we, we, I think in the past, I've, I've tended to think of health as sort of or or unity as absence of conflict, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and and I think as I've as I've grown older, you know, I've I've come to realize that you know, actually, if if there's no conflict, it's it's probably it's probably a sign of unhealth. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> like, right. You know, so. Right. Um, so I, I think that's, that was a great point, uh, that, that, you know, as we pursue unity as the body of Christ, that there are going to be tough conversations and they're going, there's going to be conflict sometimes and, uh, that we, it's important that we commit to have those conversations and to, to have them in a, in healthy ways mm-hmm. and to determine ourselves to walk alongside one another. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we've been picking on life groups a lot, you know, uh, in this conversation. Because, but I don't think the only way that it fleshes out in, is in life groups. Right. Um, I think that's a very easy example of the way that people might tend to segregate themselves right, right. with within mm. any particular church. But yeah. you know, we do the same thing with you know generational lines and and all all sorts of things. Your home. How many um, times do I invite somebody into my home for yeah. dinner if I don't think they line up with me? Yeah. Like, do I invite? The, the the potential conflict, but walk into it. <laughs> no, with, and it's going to be a fight. I yeah. want you to come sit at my yeah. table today. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> but if I could your, do that, sword. <laughs> yeah, that's right. if I could do that with just humility and model the humility for my children as mm. we sit with people who are different mm-hmm. that have different perspectives. Mm. Yeah. Um, but you're right; it does go way beyond 
life groups in our everyday yeah. life. Well, I think the bigger picture, because you've got this idea of unity within the church, and then you've also got, I think in this passage, you've got the Jews being reminded that from the very beginning, God's plan was to bring the Gentiles in, and, and part of his blessing to the Jews was so that they could be a blessing to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes once we are in uh, church, we can become just very comfortable being like, okay, we're in. Yeah. I'm in. Everybody's mm-hmm. in. My family's in. Right. And so we're good. And then we lose sight of what God has brought me in because he loves me, but he's also brought me in so that I can be a blessing to others who are not yet in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we forget about the, you know, in our case, the 62% uh, statistic of those around our church who are, are not engaged. They're not a part of a church. They don't have a church home. Yeah. And we just kind of, we get comfortable just, just right. being us. And, and not to, to bash on big church. I love a big church. I'm employed by a big church. <laughs> I'm serving this big church. It's great. But I do think being a part of a Broadmoor type church, the, the tension's going to be when we look around, we're going to see new faces every single week. Mm-hmm. And those new faces could have been here for 20 years, yeah. but they're new to us. Right, right. And so we don't feel the tension of, the lost aren't coming in. We say, no, there's new people every week. I've never seen this family before. I've never seen that kid before. But if you go to, I'll use New Palestine, the church that I came from, for example, or any, probably 90% of churches in the United States are under 100, 100 people. I'd say under 100 members. Mm-hmm. I think that's the stat, which would tell you their worship attendance is probably more 60 to 50 and under, right, mm-hmm. people. And so when you're in that kind of church context, which is a majority of churches, they are keenly aware of, Hey, these are the same people that I've seen for the last 20 years. And we're, we we should have attention in us to say, hey, what what are we doing to reach the world? What are we doing to reach the community? I think a lot of times at Broadmoor, two, two things. Uh, this is a complete side note, but it's in my mind, so I need to share. Uh, <laughs> number one, sometimes we're so big, we see all those people. And number two, this is real strange, but I promise you I'm going somewhere with it. We don't have a cemetery here. Mm-hmm. And most churches do, particularly small churches do. And I, I just know from, from anecdotal experience in my own life that when I was at New Palestine, on Palestine Road with the city cemetery, that was the backdrop for everything we did in ministry. When I parked my truck at 4.30 or 5 a.m. on Sunday morning, and I walk through the cemetery or right on side of the cemetery to walk to my church office, it is a keen reminder we don't have much time here mm-hmm. because there are young people and old people and everywhere in between, mm-hmm. and there's a tension of today's the day. We've got to preach the gospel today. We've got to live the gospel today. We've got to call each other into accountability today. And I think a lot of times smaller churches are going to experience these same people. I see them all the time. So I need, there's an awareness of mission, but also there's an awareness of we're running out of time. Like, mm-hmm. like we need to be about the business today. You come here, it's like Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's new people every day. It's a lot of fun. It's engaging. Everything's great. And you go home and you go out of our parking lot and there's, uh, pharmacies and grocery stores and Lord praise his name Kiefer's soon. Yes, yes. it's going to be great. But th- that's what we see. And so it's it's a mentality of, hey, everyday life. Let's just walk out of the church parking lot and go back to the way it is. Man, I, I think a lot of churches feel a different tension than we do. And I think we need to feel it. Yeah. The tension is we are called to the mission now in this moment today. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. And I think it's a good place to wrap up because uh, we are just about out of time. Out of time. But uh, um, it's a good place to end. It is a good place to the end. The urgency. Yeah. Uh, so this coming Sunday, we jump into uh, the Romans end of this 15. chapter. That's right. And then what? There's one more week of Romans. 
And then we're done. That's right. Two two left this week, next week, and done. Yep. What a what a wild thirty weeks it's been. So, and then we're we're going to go into the summer months, and yeah, uh, we want to talk about what we're doing. It's going to be really summer. exciting. Yep. Yeah. So there'll be a standalone on uh, on May twenty eighth, and then um, when we jump in our first Sunday in June, will be Psalms, and so we're going to do um, uh, nine weeks in in some various Psalms, um, usually probably towards the front end of of Psalms. But man, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's going to be different, yeah. uh, but different, I believe, in a good way. Yep. Yeah, that's good. So, if you're listening, uh, come join us for the last couple of weeks of Romans, and uh, and then join us in the summer for the Psalms. It's going to be great. And so, guys, always uh, always good to talk together, and um, thankful for you guys. Mm-hmm. Love you guys. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others, and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening.